This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Khaliq al Wujudi min al Adam, Maja'il al Nuri min al Bulam, Mukhrij al Sabri min al Alam, Famulk al Tawbati al al Nadam, Fanashkuruhu al al Masaibi Kamanashkuruhu al al Niam. ونصلي على رسوله الأكرم الشرف الأشم والنور الأتم والكتاب المحكم وكمال النبيين والخاتم سيدي ولدي آدم الذي بشر به عيسى بن مريم ودعا لبعثته إبراهيم عليه السلام حين كان يرفع قواعد بيت الله المحرم فصلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى أتباعه خير الأمم الذين بارك الله بهم كافة الناس العرب منهم والعجم الحمد لله الذي لم يتخذ ولدا ولم يكن له شريك في الملك ولم يكن له ولي من الذل وكبره تكبيرا والحمد لله الذي أنزل على عبده الكتاب ولم يجعل له عوجا والحمد لله الذي نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن محمدا عبد الله ورسوله أرسله الله بالهدى ودين الحق ليظهره على الدين كله وكفى بالله شهيدا فصلى الله عليه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الحدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محدثاتها وإن كل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار قال الله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم بعد أن أقول أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم وإن طائفتان من المؤمنين اقتتلوا فأصلحوا بينهما فإن بغت إحداهما على الأخرى فقاتلوا التي تبغي حتى تفيئ إلى أمر الله فإن فأت فأصلحوا بينهما بالعدل وأقسطوا إن الله يحب المقسطين رب الشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وأحل العقدة من لساني فهو قولي اللهم ثبتنا عند الموت بلا إله إلا الله اللهم اجعلنا من الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر أمين رب العالمين we're still on ayah number nine of Surah Al-Hujurat, where Allah discusses how to deal with conflict that occurs between believers. And today I want to dedicate the conversation to uh, looking deeper into the phrase, Aslihu Bainahuma, make reconciliation between them. In other places in the Quran, there are hypocrites who say, Innama nahnu muslihun, we're just making, we're making things better. We're trying to make reconciliation. And Allah says, Allah innahum humul mufsidun walakin la No, they're the ones causing corruption. They're making things worse. But they don't even realize it. This is important because now Allah is telling us that sometimes there are people who claim or even think that they are there to make reform. But what they're actually doing is making things worse. And this is something you and I have to be mindful of because you could somebody could mislead, you know, uh, um, kind of dismiss that and say, well, that ayah is about hypocrites. And alhamdulillah, I'm not a hypocrite. Well, Rasul tells us, Ma'aminahu illa munafiq wa ma'khafahu illa mu'min. Nobody should be afraid of hypocrisy except a believer. And nobody should be safe from hypocrisy. Hypo- nobody feels safe that they're not a hypocrite except, uh, you know, uh, a hypocrite. So the idea that Allah, and by the way, Allah says, وَهُمْ لَا يَشْعُرُونَ They don't realize it. So if you're doing it and not realizing it, then you've got yourself a problem. And the way to realize that is to analyze and to really contemplate the word of Allah and find out where could it be that someone who seeks to make things better between two people that are having a conflict. A and B are having, having a fight, and C wants to jump in and help out, right? Let's make peace. How do we make sure that C is going to do the job right and be a muslih, be someone who make things, makes things better, makes things right, fixes the broken, instead of making things worse? 
right? So that prerequisite is kind of important to discuss. I won't go deep into the two ayat, or actually three places in the Quran that I want to take you to in this khutbah to help us understand this one phrase. But the concepts behind them, inshallah, I hope to elaborate over the next you know, short few minutes. In Surah An-Nisa, there's an ayah about standing up for justice. In Surah Al-Ma'idah, there's another ayah for standing up for justice. And they're almost identical, except they, they approach the subject of justice from opposite ends. And to make that simple to understand, what Allah says in one occasion is stand up for justice even if it means you have to stand up against yourself. Stand up for justice even if it means you have to stand up against your parents or close relatives. Stand up for justice even if it means you have to stand up against someone poor or stand up against someone rich. In other words, you're biased towards someone, you feel sorry for someone, or you're intimidated by someone, or you're connected to someone, should not influence your decisions because that means you are not doing justice, you're causing corruption. So one way that injustice happens is that the judge and whoever's passing a verdict is slightly biased towards somebody, right? They favor one person or because they're family, because they're wealthy, because they don't want to break the, you know, they don't want to make a difficult relationship with them. They don't want to do something to offend them. Justice has nothing to do with who's going to feel better and who's going to be offended. Justice is blind. There's a reason there are blindfolds in the images of justice everywhere in the world. There's a reason a scale is used, which is the Quran uses the imagery of the scale itself too. Why? Because the scale doesn't care whether you like the apples on this side or the weights that have been put on the other side. They just have to be equal. You have to treat fairly and your feelings cannot get in the way. Your feelings towards someone. On the flip side, when Muslims conquered Arabia and they conquered the region of Hijaz, there were people that tried to kill them. There were people that tortured their families. There were people that had all kinds of you know, crimes committed against the Muslims. And now they are under Muslim power. And Allah says, your, your hatred and your animosity and your enmity between people, against people, should not, should not prevent you from doing justice. In other words, you've got all that background about what they did. And now in some other case, you've already judged the kind of people they are because you have an outstanding issue with them, right? You have history with them and you hold, you hold them in a certain view. What Allah is telling us is, even if you have a, an opinion about somebody and what they did individually, in a different case, you cannot use your biases against them in this case. So you've got those two perspectives on justice. If you are leaning towards someone, you'll be unfair. And if you're leaning against someone, regardless of the background, you'll be unfair. These are the two things you must avoid. And in both cases, Allah says, stand up for justice, being witness to Allah, being witness to justice. In other words, standing up for justice is actually standing up for Allah Himself. It's a, it's a kind of shahada in the Quran. We say shahada is to accept the oneness of Allah. In these two ayat, the phrasing has been flipped almost to suggest that when someone stands by justice, that act of theirs is actually proving that they believe in la ilaha illallah. It's a profound thing that Allah connected our shahada to justice. And he made them you know, interchangeable in these two ayat, one in Nisa and one in Ma'idah. So that's the first thing. Our preconceived notions against someone cannot be part of the equation. Our preconceived notions in favor of someone cannot be part of the equation. In different societies in the world, they address, this is not you know, rocket science, it's common, it's obviously known. So what we have in different societies like in the United States, when you have jury duty, right? Or you have 
um, a judge. If, if a judge is known to have a personal vested interest in the case, they have to actually report that and remove themselves from the case. If a jury member is known to is, is found to have you know familiarity or knowledge of the case or is neighbors with one of the plaintiffs or whatever, then they're supposed to remove themselves from the case because you cannot allow for any bias. The people that are going to be making judgment on this have to look at it from the outside and look at everybody equally. You understand? Obviously, in modern society, people have biases like race, economics. You know, somebody's got tattoos on their on their body or not is, is a form of judging somebody. So people sitting in the jury box while they're looking at a case are like, this guy's already a criminal because look, look at all those piercings, right? So they can, they can do that even by appearance and we won't even know. So those kinds of biases exist. But what is Allah telling us very clearly? Your spite towards someone, no matter what they've done, and your love or, or bias in favor of someone for whatever reason cannot get in the way. But that's the first thing. The next thing that I want to talk to you about is assumptions. Your assumptions cannot get in the way. You know, you could say, oh, I've seen this a thousand times. This is yet another case of the same thing we see all the time. All these fill in the blank are all the same. A guy could say, all these women are all the same. So a woman can say, all these men are all the same. Oh man, all these, and then you, you can do this about ethnicities. All these Hispanics are all the same. All these Indians are all the same. All these Muslims are all the same. All these Shias are all the same. All these Sunnis are all the same. All these Ismailis are all the same. All the fill in the blank, whether it's a religious group, it's a an ethnicity, it's a, you know, all these fathers are all the same. All these husbands are all the same. All these men are all the same. All these boys are all the same. All these girls are all the same. And when you have that kind of sweeping judgment of a certain group, then you, are, you fail to look at a case on its individual merits because you already want to confirm your own opinion. So you've actually made a judgment before investigating anything. And even as you're investigating, you're looking at what you want to prove that you already assume to be true. So you can have a biased look at evidence because, you know, an evidence is like, the way I describe it as an evidence is a single dot, right? And in mathematics, a dot, you can draw an infinite number of lines through a dot, right? If you have a certain angle, you're going to draw a line towards that conclusion through the same dot. And somebody else can look at that same evidence and see completely something else. But you refuse to look at it from any other point of view because this point of view confirms your assumptions about these types of people or that person in particular. I know what they're like. They're always going to be like that. Or I know what their kind is like. Their kind is always like that. This was actually the mistake that Allah Azza wa corrected in the life of Musa for example. He saw a Pharaoh soldier beating up on a slave Israelite in the middle of the street. And the assumption is, man, these slave owners, they treat us like animals. They're oppressing our people all the time. And he intervened and he threw a punch, didn't he? And immediately after he throws a punch, he says, This is from the work of the devil. Why is it the work of the devil? He was helping a fellow Muslim brother oppressed by a kafir. Because he realized he didn't understand the situation in full. Just because he's seen oppression a thousand times at the hand of the oppressive regime of the, of the pharaohs doesn't mean this is a case of oppression. We don't know the full case. But just because one of them is your fellow Muslim brother, so you identify with them more, and the other one is the, the oppressive regime, you assume yet another case of the same thing, right? Confirmation bias. And he called that the work of the... Musa's own words in the Quran, in Surah Al-Qasas, he called that the work of the devil. He is an enemy. He misleads, obviously. How did he mislead? He misled in that he allowed my assumptions to turn a situation into a fact. 
a situation that I don't know anything about. I made the factual assumptions about it where I didn't have the position to. And he turned to Allah and says, I did wrong to myself, forgive me. He acknowledged, so first he said, the devil gets you to do that. He gets you to rush to judgment, right? Because what's, what's the devil's involvement here? Rushing to it, right? And the second he acknowledges, the devil was able to rush me into this, but that is my mistake. I shouldn't have allowed the devil to do that. So he doesn't, doesn't just put it on the devil, he actually takes responsibility himself. Another example of this, of not rushing to judgment or not allowing your assumptions to take hold before you get into resolving a case or you know, you know, fixing a problem is when Rasulullah was about, was at Hudaybiyah. So they're right on the outskirts of Makkah, yeah? And they're going to go in and they, they, they're not being allowed to make Hajj. And Uthman anhu is, is sent as an ambassador to negotiate their ability to do the Hajj. He takes an extra long time. The assumption is spread that Uthman has been executed by the Quraysh. And by the way, killing an ambassador is an act of war. As if the Quraysh hadn't done enough acts of war. That is an ultimate act of war, especially in Hajj season, especially when you send an unarmed ambassador to have a conversation. If that's spread like wildfire, that Uthman has been killed, we need to respond. And even though the Muslims weren't militarily equipped, they decided that they're going to avenge the death of, death of Uthman. Rasulullah decides that he's going to go in and fight the Meccans in the lion's den. And mind you, these are the Meccans that a year ago were surrounding Medina trying to kill every man, woman, and child. And now we are unarmed, only came for Hajj. The only thing we probably have is daggers for slaughtering the animal. And the Rasulullah says, we're going in. He says, we're going in. And when he's about to go in, the Sahaba took a pledge to the death. It's called Bayat Ridwan. They, they, they knew it was certain death. They're going to get annihilated. But they, they didn't, it didn't matter. The Prophet asked for a pledge and they took it. And Allah talked about that pledge in Surah Al-Fatih. You know, لَقَدْ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذْ يُبَيِّعُونَكَ تَحْتَ الشَّجَرَةِ That Allah was pleased with the believers when they, as they were giving their pledge to you under the tree. And in another part of the same surah, He says, يَدُ اللَّهِ فَوْقَ أَيْدِيهِمْ Allah's hand above their hands. Like, you know, when you take a pledge, somebody puts their hand over. Allah literally added the phrase Allah's hand above their hands. Anyway, so they're about to go in and Uthman comes out. Hey guys, sorry I took too long. And they're all ready to go and die. And they're like, oh wait, that, that didn't happen. So we came very close to war inside the city of Mecca. And it was averted. Now why am I bringing that story up? Because Allah says about that incident that almost occurred. He said, such an amazing ayah towards the end of Surah Al-Fatih. He says, I stopped you from going in. I stopped you from going in because had it not been for believing men and believing women inside Makkah that you have no knowledge of. Wait, there are Muslims inside Mecca that nobody knows about. That's what the Prophet, that's what Allah tells the Prophet and the Muslims. And he says, that if you went in, you would have trampled over them like you would have trampled over everybody else. You would have ended up killing fellow Muslims that are inside and you have no knowledge because they've been hiding their faith. Now this is incredible because the Muslims went to war against the Quraysh and Badr. The Muslims migrated before Badr, barely saving their lives to escape to Medina. 
Then they fought war against Makkah in Badr. Then they fought and were you know, viciously injured in Uhud. Then they were almost surrounded in Ahzab and completely annihilated. Yeah, so the and there are other multiple skirmishes in between and multiple you know war acts of war in between these three major battles. All of that's already happened. So when you think of Mecca, you think of the enemy we must conquer. And Allah says, "Hold on, I know you have a judgment on Mecca right now. That's the enemy city. Those are all the enemies. And anybody who was any good migrated. They got away. And whoever didn't get away is in prison, and we know about them. Allah says, "No, you don't. You don't know about everyone." There are people in there that are believers that I acknowledge their faith, even if you don't know about it. And you would have trampled all over them. And ugliness would have come on you like a you know, like a deformation. Like if somebody's face got exposed to acid or something like and the skin is deformed and something like that. A deformation would have come on you, and ugliness would have overtaken you without you even knowing. What's the ugliness? Believer killing a believer. Because of what? Because of what? They were going, doing something noble, avenging Uthman, engaging in a noble act of war, liberating the Kaaba. But even then, when you make a sweeping, quick judgment, and then what, is, what else does Allah say about that? He says, So that, and Allah prevented this, this immediate civil war from happening inside Mecca. This, you know, it's not a battlefield, it's a city. A war inside a city. He said he kept that from happening so Allah can enter into his mercy and his loving care whoever he wants. In other words, there are other people there that are not believers yet, but Allah plans to enter them into his mercy, meaning Allah plans to give them Islam too. And if this breaks out now, they won't be taking shahada. He says, Had it been that the population of Makkah was completely separated, believers that Allah has designated as believers or future believers, and disbelievers that Allah knows will die in disbelief and stubborn. Had they been completely separated, we would have tortured them ourselves. We would have tortured the disbelieving side ourselves. But Allah kept them what? Mixed. Even in a clear-cut situation like the enemy city of Mecca that we've been at war with three times over, the city that tried to kill the Prophet Allah says it's not black and white, it's gray. You don't know. With that understanding, I come back to this ayah. Allah says, when two believers fight, two groups of believers fight each other, make peace between them, you cannot have assumptions about anyone or any group or their in, most of all their intentions. Oh, I know what these people want. No, you don't. No, I don't. You cannot speak for someone else's intentions. You can speak out against somebody else's actions. To contemplate this just a little bit further, our Prophet ﷺ gave us this really small hadith and it's so profound when he says the believer is the mirror of another believer. Al-Mu'min mir'atul mu'min or al-Muslim mir'atul muslim. Because when you're a mirror to another believer, then you will call it out like it is. If it's a scar, then you'll say there's a scar. If it's a stain, you'll say there's a stain. If things have gotten better, you'll say things have gotten better. If things have gotten worse, it's things have gotten worse. You'll call it like it is. You'll be completely, brutally honest. A mirror is not being nice to you. A mirror is just being true to you. A mirror is just being true to you. And a mirror is, is not someone else. A mirror is actually an extension of your own self. You don't even see a believer like another. You see them as a reflection of your own self. So them looking bad, it means I'm looking bad. 
Them doing something wrong is actually me allowing something wrong to go on. That's something I need to fix. And so with that sentiment, we try to resolve a, pro a family problem. With that sentiment, we try to resolve a community problem. You know, here in the United States and many parts of the, the Western Muslim community, because we don't have this in the Muslim world, we have different kinds of conflicts in the Muslim world among, among ourselves. You have like masjids engaging in lawsuits with each other, board members fighting, internal politics in the religious community. You've got people in business, family that went into business and then, you know, something went haywire and then there's lawsuits between them. There's fights over inheritance. There's all kinds of conflicts that we get involved in within our families, within our community. And in those conflicts, you're, you're supposed to pick a side and represent a side. Allah says the two groups that are fighting, the rest of you aren't allowed to pick a side. You aren't allowed to pass. And if you can't help but have a certain opinion that you should be able to recognize is influencing your thoughts about this person, your judgment on this person, then you need to remove yourself from nominating yourself as someone who can make things better because you're disqualified. And you have to be honest enough with yourself to say, I'm not qualified for this one. I have a bias. I have a personal, I have a personal investment into this case. I can't be involved in it. You know, I have a I, I love this person too much, or you know, or not the other way. You know. So even in the case of, you know, there was one time there was a an argument between Rasul and Aisha radiallahu anha. And she said, We need someone to reform between us. We need someone to come in and arbitrate, counsel between us, you know. A third party. And he says, okay, let's get your father. Right? And she says, no, he loves you too much. <laughs> right? So, because she, she understands that there is a, a, an undying love for Rasulullah Actually, she actually eventually nominated her father. And when she saw the way she was talking, when he saw the way she was talking to Rasulullah he got mad at her. And he was about to choke her. And the says, stop, we, we solved our problem, thank you. And he <laughs> let her go. Because his love for Rasulullah was that intense. But the point being, the point that I'm trying to make is that we have to at least be honest with ourselves whether or not we're in a position to make things better. Now the Quran set this high standard, right? Of don't let your preconceived notions get in the way. Don't let your hatred towards a group get in the way. Don't let your love or bias or influence from a group let, get in the way. But you know what? That's even about individual people. What do we do? We don't even know anything. And we have no vested interest on any side. But we've created a culture. The world, it's not just Muslims. Muslims are, we breathe the same oxygen as the rest of this planet. So the things that affect everybody, Muslim or non, they affect us too. They affect the Muslims too. We are in a culture where criticizing something, quickly passing judgment on something, and artificial outrage over something by way of commentary, by way of cynicism and criticism, and foul language has become the, you know, it's like an everyday activity. You know, we have we, we we say things that don't need to be said, we express hatred that doesn't need to be expressed. There's something there's something meaningful to be said about Amr bil Ma'ruf and Nahi Anil Munkar to, to enforce and to encourage and to speak out for something good or to speak out against something evil. And there's a way to do that, but the way you and I both know, the way that most of us are engaged or what we're consuming in the world's the world of commentary virtually on any platform, right? Because everybody has a voice now. Everybody's publishing their opinion. All of it is so much, there's so much fluff. And there's so much going in the opposite direction from what Allah taught. 
And every one of those things damages our soul. It literally it damages our heart that we become so invested in the, you know, in, in countless, the, the endless need to pass opinion on everyone and everything. And to quickly rush to fight someone who doesn't share our opinion. How are we ever going to be in a position to, uh, of the people that Allah was talking to in this ayah when two groups actually fight, when two parties actually have a conflict, the rest of you should be a source of making peace. The rest of you should make things right. You know, we are either consumers of something wrong or we're perpetuating something wrong on top of that, feeding into the conflict. A video online becomes more interesting if it's criticizing someone. That, that, that garners more views. That's more, you know, it's more, uh, oh my God, you know what this one said about that? Oh, that's awesome. I wonder how they responded. Let me check. You have time for that? And you want to feed into that conflict? How is that you making things better? How is that me making things better? There are manners that this religion has taught us. And those manners apply to how you and I carry ourselves at home. How you and I carry ourselves at work. And also how you and I carry ourselves online. Because that's kind of become a part of life, isn't it? Our interactions, our engagement with the outside world, a big part of that is now on our devices. This is how we engage the world. And when we engage that world, we forget that those principles that apply in every situation apply here too. Apply in the comment box too. They apply in, you know, our response to different things that we consume. And, you know, when Allah says, you know, if corrupt news source comes to you, verify it. If you don't have a means of verifying it, leave it. Rasulullah says the beauty of the Islam of a person is they leave things that aren't concerning them. If it doesn't concern you, you leave it. Now, just forget that I'm criticizing you. I'll criticize myself, you, everybody on this. Let's take an honest stock. What are we consume, consuming on a daily basis that's actually concerning us personally? That actually benefits us in some way? That actually wards harm away from us in some way? We are now accustomed to taking in junk. Just like when it comes to junk food, we're taking in junk information, junk media, junk news, constantly, constantly, constantly. And we're addicted to it now. We're addicted to that. And we think that has no impact on our connection to Allah. Because when you're constantly criticizing and enraged and commenting, and your tongue and your heart are involved in that, well, that tongue and the heart deserve something much more much more softening because all of those things harden the heart. All of those things make you a rougher person on the outside. All of those things train you to give not the benefit of the doubt, but assume the worst about people. And all, all of those things make you defensive. Everybody else is bad. Therefore, even if you don't say it, I'm the best. I'm right. Everybody else is wrong. You carry that assumption. Where did humility go? How, how are we going to carry this most important principle of our religion? Humility. Where is the ability to take good advice? Where did that go? Where is covering the fault of a believer? Where did that go? Where is giving somebody loving advice at the right time in the right way? Where did that go? Where did respect for the elder go? Where, where did honor for a Muslim go? Where did honoring a stranger go? Where did the right of the neighbor? Where did all of that go? Where did it go? How are we allowed? How do we allow ourselves to erase all of that in the way that we carry ourselves 
most of the day. You see people live lonely lives, right? Mom's, uh, mom's working, mom's busy, dad's busy. Everybody's doing their own thing. So your world has become this. This is where you engage people, right? And, and you think, well, I'm not doing anything bad. I'm just here. No, you can do plenty of bad here. This will go straight here and start staining you on the inside. Allah said previously before this ayah, I, I mentioned this to you already. He said, It's strategically placed. He said, he made faith beloved to you and beautified it in your hearts. And then he talks about this subject. Why? Because this is the thing that will take the love of your faith away. And it will take the beauty of your faith away from your heart and my heart. Let's protect it. Let's consume ourselves with something that actually matters. You know, there are, there's a need to have outcry. And there are some things that deserve an outcry, but an outcry that will bring about change. Let's think seriously about that. How do we bring about change? How do we constructively bring about change? What are we producing? What are we doing that makes a real positive difference? Ask yourself, forget looking at anybody else. I don't need to criticize anybody and what they're doing and what they should be doing. And I look at me, you look at yourself. Look, look at myself and say, what did I do today that creates some more good around me for myself and for others? What did I say today that adds to goodness in this world? What, how did I carry myself today that you know, reduces evil, reduces hatred, reduces assumptions, reduces animosity, and creates more of an environment for peace? Just in your world, forget the planet. You didn't complain about the planet falling apart. How about your planet? How about your circle? How about the people around you? Are you a source of conflict? Are you constantly you know, surrounded by conflict? Are you, const are, are you a person of islah or ifsad? And if you're constantly surrounded by conflict and you think everybody else is after you and I think everybody else is after me, then there's the problem. Maybe we're not looking in the mirror. They may be doing something wrong, but we're refusing to look at what I could have been doing better. Maybe I'm provoking some of this. Just because you say something doesn't mean you said it in a kind way. And sometimes you say something in an unkind way, you might get a much more unkind response. And then you might say, all oh, these people are unkind. Look at how they talk to me. Well, maybe you, you could have said something smarter. Maybe you could have said the right thing, but said it in a more right way. That's, I could have done that. You could have done that. So this is the prerequisite before we even get to making peace. Allah is, yeah, the last statement about this is, uh, before I end this khutbah Is that Allah Azza wa Jal Has made us aware of a reality Believers will fight each other This is not a utopia Islam is not a utopia where everybody just Once we become Muslim or brothers and we have no disagreements We fight over everything We fight over moon sighting I keep calling it moon fighting Because that's more appropriate for it We fight over You know uh, Like in our families we fight over things In religion we fight over things We don't even have I don't know even know what happened to civil discourse like we can disagree with each other and still have respect and love and concern for each other in our families whatever happened to i disagree with you on this opinion but i still admire the good that you do i still have respect for you i still wish good for you and your family like if you disagree with someone they're the devil all of a sudden right well how does one disagreement demonize somebody but if this is what we've become then the rest of this ayah we can't live up to we can't live up to that because aslihu baynahuma is a pretty loaded statement. So let, and that's not a comment on the people that are fighting. That's a comment on all of us. So let's, let's first really take a good look in the mirror for ourselves and become a people of Islam. May Allah give us the ability to do that. 
and make us a source of goodness for ourselves and others around us. And then inshallah, in, in the final installment of this series, when I talk about the conclusion of this ayah, we'll actually talk about the two groups that are having a conflict and what we're going to do when we are in the right position to do something. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Qur'an al-Hakim wa nafa'ani wa iyaakum bil ayati wa dhikr al-Hakim. Alhamdulillahi wa kafa'a wa salatu wa salamu ala ibadihi ladhin astafa'a khususan ala abdalihim wa khatam al-nabiyyin Muhammadin al-Amin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. قال الله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم بعد أن أقول أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد عباد الله رحمكم الله اتقوا الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون قم الصلاة إن الصلاة كانت على المؤمنين كتاب موقوتا